Amen. Uh, Psalm 23, we're finishing up this morning. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? How many of you have been on a cruise? A few been on a cruise. Uh, I've only been on one. It was, I was 18 years old. Uh, and one of the most striking things, if you ask me about a cruise besides the all you can eat, which is striking. <laughs> but the most striking thing is when you're out in the middle of the ocean and all you can see is ocean. And it's just ocean for days. And, and you're, you feel for a moment after you get past your seasickness, hopefully you took your Dramamine, but after you get past that part, you, rem- you, see, you see the ocean and its vastness, and it, and it can be overwhelming. You might even have experienced that. You go to a beach and you look out into the ocean. In fact, I think that's often why we like to go. It's so majestic and it's so gargantuan. It feels like it has no end. It's, it's massive, it's magnanimous, it's powerful. And yet, if you were to pull out from the earth and begin to get even a bigger view of creation around us, it becomes even more astounding, right? If you just go to, our, to the sun, the sun uh, is basically our next door neighbor, right? It's Mercury, Venus, Earth, so it's just like four doors down. And the sun is there. The sun is 109 times the size of the earth. So you take this earth, you multiply it times 109. That is the size of the sun. It's 93 billion miles away from where we're at right now. 93 billion miles away. If you can imagine how far that is. Uh, In 2018, we sent a brand new solar probe out. 2018. It will be the fastest uh, spacecraft we've ever sent out. And they launched it in August of 2018. Top speed, 430,000 miles an hour. This thing will be traveling towards the sun in orbit to come around it. And it will land, it will get to the sun in the year 2024. Six years at 430,000 miles an hour. 430,000 miles an hour is this. You go from DC to Tokyo in less than a minute. That's how fast 430,000 miles is. It will be traveling for six years before it actually arrives, and it'll still be three million miles shy of the sun, because if you get any closer, it would melt, right, all right? So it's doing its orbit thing. That's how big, but that's actually nothing, because, right, the Earth is third in line from the sun. If you measured our entire solar system, it is 178.6 billion miles across, 178.6 billion miles across. The Voyager they sent out, and the Voyager 1 they sent out in the 70s took a photo. It was 6 billion miles from the earth. They took a photo of the earth. This is it. That's the earth. The little, the, not, the, not the blue circle. The blue circle is circling the little tiny dot. The little tiny dot is the earth. That's a picture of the earth from 6 billion miles away. Our solar system is 178 billion miles across which pales in comparison when you recognize how little and tiny our solar system actually is because in just our galaxy, if you go outside of our solar system to our galaxy, there are actually somewhere in the range of 200 billion stars or 200 billion suns just in the Milky Way. This is our neighborhood in the universe. 
200 billion stars just in the galaxy, some of them much larger than the sun. And of course, our little galaxy with its 200 million stars is nothing in light of the fact that there are an estimated 170, 170, meaning they say, and they use the word observable because these are the only, these are the ones that we could see. But there are ones beyond, and scientists believe the, the universe is continuing to expand, and it's moving out. Why am I sharing with you all of these nerd facts this morning? Because Hebrew 1, Hebrews 1 says this, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the one who has spoken the 200 million stars that live in our galaxy into existence, and they burn at exactly the rate he tells them to burn at, and they move exactly where he tells them to go. The entire universe is under the leadership of the Son of God. That should, at least at some points in time in our lives, send a little shiver down your spine. Just for a minute, if you don't have that shiver, it's worth just taking a moment to think on these things to get that shiver because I believe David's making a promise and what he wants to say here is he wants us to know there is an undeniable and an unshakable king. And he says in Psalm 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David's trying to say here is have that shiver down your spine because if you are in Christ, the guarantee promise of the Lord is that you will experience the goodness and the mercy of God. And it's ironclad because this is the one who rules over universes, who makes galaxies look like they're little specks in a photo. He's the ironclad one who is going to bring it to promise with certainty. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, all the days of my life, all of them. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And forever is big, right? Forever's big. Now, we can tend to make it not big. My, my kids are pizza freaks. Love, they love pizza. Except for the pizza at the school lunches. Apparently, it's been deemed not good enough. All right? But most of their pizza is highly acceptable. In fact, they would prefer it. They love pizza. But here, inevitably, we typically will go and pick up the pizza, trying to save a few bucks. But every once in a while, we order the pizza, and then they bring it to us. And here's what happens inevitably, especially my, young, my younger kids will ask, Dad, when is the pizza going to be here? And I say, it's going to be here in 30 minutes. And they're like, 30, what, 30 minutes? And I said, well, they, they're like, how long is 30 minutes? They're trying to get their head around and say, it's, what time is it? Six o'clock. So it's going to be here at 6.30. And they're like, that's going to take forever. 
forever. That's their thought. This is going to take forever. Forever often loses its meaning in our current context, right? Forever is a pizza delivery, or I haven't been ice skating in forever, which means you just hadn't done it in like five years. Or we tend to use this word kind of nominally around, and it actually has lost its meaning. And what David's wanting to say as he's writing this song is to put a shiver down our spine to say, not one solitary day will go by, and you will not have the goodness and the mercy of God, and that you will live with him forever. You can explore the ocean and find the end of it, but you will never find the end of the goodness and the safety and the mercy and the kindness of God. You can't find the end of it. It's uncertain. You could keep searching and searching for the end of the goodness of God. You'll never find the end of it. It will overtake whatever badness you're bringing to the table. God's goodness is enveloping it. It's swallowing it up like a star in the galaxy. Gone. 10,000 presidents will come and go. It won't matter how good or bad their policies or positions are. God reigns in goodness and mercy forever. And all who will call on the name of Jesus have it. Own it. Receive it. Live in it. Swim in it. It's what we have When you say yes, you align yourself with God. You will taste his victory and life and power. Hear this, daily, daily. The promise of the Lord is that you'll have his goodness daily. His mercy is there daily. It's the promise. You sleep and wake up with purpose. Traverse the dark night of the soul, which we have all had, moments of darkness and doubt and worry and fear and pain, all of those are real experiences, and yet always find and have hope, always, always in this life and then forever in his presence. And right, even as I say forever, we're not just talking about an amount of time. You understand the biblical concept of forever is not just long time, okay? It's not what it is. In fact, Jesus is looking at the religious leaders, and he has, he's having this discussion. He's trying to unpack this kingdom, which we're going to start this new series next week, and I want you to be a part of it. It's going to be really good. And he's having this conversation with the religious leaders, and he looks at them. And here's what he says in John chapter five. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. He says, you guys are studying the Bible really great because you think that in them there is eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. What he's saying is this. You're looking for eternal life. But eternal life 
isn't found in words. Eternal life is found in me and my presence. Eternal life is not a time period. Eternal life is the presence of the king. And he was inviting them to say, hey, you can, try to, you can search it out in a hundred different ways. The only way you'll find eternal life, that forever I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever means with him and his goodness, to have life. That tomorrow can be bad and you still have goodness and mercy because you have me, because you have me. In fact, God's goodness and his mercy are not promises of temporal happiness. They are promises of eternal, unshakable hope and delight. That's the promise that we get, right? Because we've all had them and we will have moments that we don't feel happy. You're not gonna feel happy. You'll get sick and not feel happy. You'll receive bad news and not feel happy. You'll stumble for what feels like the 900th time in an area of weakness or brokenness and not feel happy. And we have directives and commandments and principles and the truth of God's word that lead us to more and more happiness and more joy and more peace, but it's not a guarantee that we'll experience happiness each and every day. We're never guaranteed that there wouldn't be times where our happiness would not be compromised or stolen or even assaulted. But God's goodness and his mercy is a promise that you'll always be held, no matter what. Never to be abandoned, never to be forgotten, never to be relegated to second place or second fiddle. Now, his goodness means that he's working for our good, no matter what. In fact, I love Psalm 56, verse 8. He puts it this way. So uh, David says, You've, you have kept count of my tossings. In other words, my wondering. You've kept count of all of it. Now look at this. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When we're talking about the goodness of God, we're moving beyond the temporal feelings that we might be able to have. And what he's actually saying is, every tear you've ever shed, they've been recorded in my book. I've got a record of them. I see them all. There's not a dark day you've ever had where I wasn't there cataloging and seeing because I'll vindicate and lead you. God's goodness doesn't mean that we won't have tears God's goodness means is that in the tears, not one of them is lost. Not one of them is empty. The Lord meets you in him. Not one of those tears is in vain. He knows them all. He's recorded them all. They're kept in him. That's the goodness of a father. And so we anchor ourselves in the truth when God's goodness doesn't manifest necessarily in temporal happiness or the circumstances don't go the way we wanted them to. It's anchored in something richer and deeper that our hearts have to connect with. Inevitably, we're gonna make decisions where we mess things up or someone hurts us and God makes this promise that you will have my mercy and you will have my goodness every day of your life. Call upon it. Call upon it. 
Ask him for it. Cry out to him and receive it. This is what the psalmist is is saying. Because if this is true, then are we tapping into it? Are we moving towards it? Are we asking him for it? And not only that, not only are we asking him to wash us in his goodness and his mercy, but this is the really, really, you ready for the really, really good news? That when you and I have his goodness and we have his mercy, that we now carry his goodness and we carry his mercy. This is what's so amazing about the king of the universe who's speaking the universe into existence and upholding it right now is that not only is he, is he promised to give his goodness and mercy, but those who receive his goodness and mercy carry it as well wherever they go. And gosh, I, I gotta be honest with you. I can't think of a more critical time on the face of the planet than to be carriers of the goodness and mercy of God. It's, just, it's foundational to this moment. I love what the scripture unpacks for us in saying that if you see goodness and mercy, you'll become goodness and mercy. Back 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul says it this way, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What Paul is saying is, you become what you behold. That as you and I look at and see and treasure and drink and eat and cry out for the mercy and the goodness of God, it's what we become. That when we come in the presence of goodness and mercy, it fills us and comes from us. That's the grand promise, that if goodness and mercy are following you, then goodness and mercy are what you carry to others. If you're bringing strife into your workplace, it's just time to ask the question, are you actually functioning in the goodness and the mercy of God? And if not, just take a day off, vacation day, right? Get a vacay, take a breath, Get the goodness and mercy of God so that you carry it wherever you go. Because right now, it feels, or at least the sense is right now, that what's normal is divisiveness and anger. That's what feels like what is the norm right now. If what is the norm is divisiveness and anger, then you know what's different? Goodness and mercy. That's what's different. The world's begging for something. (laughs) Nobody's hungry for divisiveness and anger. So guess what? The church has the answer to what what the world needs right at this moment. And we carry it. We have it. We own it. It's in us. It's over us. It's ours to give away. The church is going to shine in this hour, not because we have more money, not because we have better programs, not because we have bigger and better buildings, but because we host the presence of God and wherever God goes, surely goodness and mercy will follow. 
This is what we're meant to be. I mean, to carry goodness and mercy, to host goodness and mercy, to bring kindness and humility, to show others forgiveness and freedom. The world's begging for it. Church, this is what we're alive for. It's why you exist today. It's why you're taking lungs, air into your lungs right now to carry goodness and mercy, to see the Lord give it away. It's what's countercultural, and it's what the culture is desperate for. That's what the Lord is meant to do in us. And I'm, my prayer is that we are a church that carries goodness and mercy, that New River Fellowship is marked this way, and that we change our city. Hear this. We are meant to change our city, not in our own strength, not in our own might, not in our own power, but this church is meant to touch this city and see it transformed. And the way that it happens is through hosting the presence of God because that's where goodness and mercy follow. We take it wherever we go. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap that harvest if we do not give up. I was uh, looking at a book by John Ortberg. He's telling a story. It's a book called Every, uh, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. <laughs> so, so, so true, right? I was reading this story, and he says, I'm just going to read it to you. It goes like this. It says, a man named John Gilbert only lived to the age of 25. When John was five years old, he was diagnosed with Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, a genetic progressive debilitating disease. It would claim his life 20 years later, but not before subtracting almost everything from him. Every year, John Gilbert lost something. In time, he lost the ability to do all the outward things that we take for granted, even the ability to speak. But there was one moment that stood out. It happened when John was a boy. He was invited to a National Football League fundraising auction. When it began, one particular item caught John's eye. He's this little kid. He sees a basketball signed by all the players of the Sacramento Kings, which had to have been a long time ago because they're just not been relevant in any amount of time. Sorry if you're a Kings fan. I just, I'm just praying for you, okay? But he's seen this, the kid, he, John sees this basketball signed by all the Sacramento Kings. And so John so desperately wanted the ball that when it came up for bid, he felt his hand raise up in the air and his mother quickly brought it back down knowing they did not have the funds to cover the bid. The bidding on the basketball continued with excitement. It rose to an astounding amount compared to the other items at the auction and especially to the real value of the ball. Finally, a man made a bid that no one else could possibly match and won the prize. The man walked to the front, claimed the basketball, but instead of going back to his seat, this man walked across the room and gently placed it into the thin, small hands of the boy. <clears throat> who would never dribble that basketball down that court, never throw it to a teammate, never fire it from the foul line, but would cherish it for as long as he lived. And John Gilbert, while he was still able to write, wrote these words, and you can put these on the screen. It says, it took me a moment to realize what the man had done. I remember hearing gasps all around the room, then thunderous applause and weeping eyes, to this day, I'm amazed. Have you ever got, been given a gift that you could never have gotten for yourself? Has anyone ever sacrificed a huge amount for you 
without getting anything in return? Church, this is who God is. This is what he's done for us. And it's his call on our lives forever. That's what we're meant for. There's nothing else. No government, no election, no circumstance or situation can change that. It's what we were meant for, to receive the unmerited goodness of God and give it away. That's why we're here. Jesus looks at us and he says in Matthew chapter 5, says, you've heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be, the, be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. The Lord's saying it. We can do good even to our enemies. When you're in Christ, you can do good everywhere. You can bring goodness and mercy. The world's desperate for it. It's why we're here. How can we do good even to our enemies? Because listen to this. We'll finish with this. Sons are never threatened to share goodness because their inheritance is secure. I might say daughters as well. Sons and daughters are never hindered in doing good because their inheritance, they know their inheritance is secure. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Listen, church, we will not be afraid. This is the hour for us to stand up and lead with goodness and mercy because it's following us. For all that call in the name of Jesus, it's following us. We have it to give away. It says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What, this, what David's saying here is, I know my inheritance. I know where I'm at. I got this thing locked up. My election is secure. All right? In Christ. That was the only important election that was taking place. Most important. We'll trust the Lord with the details, right? You guys stand with us. I'm gonna ask our team to come up. I, lo I actually love that uh, Lindsay did that. God is good all the time. I think it's important. I mean, I, we used to do that in the old school church. I mean, we might just get old school church or something like that. Maybe we just need to be old school church. But here's the, here's the truth that we're all sitting under, that when you and I actually believe that God is good all the time, it frees us to take ever-increasing steps of faith to whatever it is that he's leading us in, to wherever he's asking us to go, whatever places he's asking us to take in roads to step out and to do good, more good than anyone could ever even think possible. It's like that man did for John Gilbert. We get to do for the world. We're asking the Lord to give us grace for it. Let's pray. We're just gonna worship.
Father, would you just set this thing in our heart right now? Would you settle this right now? In fact, I just, I have a sense, this is what the Lord wants to do this morning. Is you might be here and you're not convinced of the goodness of God for you. You can go, I think it's relevant for other people. I think the goodness of God is for that person and that person and even that downtrodden person over there, but you don't know what I've done. Or you don't know how far I've fallen or you don't know how unfaithful I've been. And I just believe the Lord wants to settle right now with his hand. That as we sing this song of the goodness of God, that the lie from the enemy that you can't have his mercy or goodness would fall off and that you would come up under the weight of the vastness of the power and the might of the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power and who gives freely his goodness and mercy to all who would ask. If you aren't experiencing his goodness and mercy this morning while we're singing, I want you to ask for it. I want you to ask him and say, may I have it? And I believe you'll find a king that's willing to give it to you. Let's ready our hearts to worship.